I want to see hemp, I want to see agave, I want to see salvia, I want to see plantago, all these things that we work on, sorghum, you know, grown in places not just as crops but also as resources. You know, I want to see this real switch in building materials. That's Professor Rachel Burton. She studies plant science at the University of Adelaide in the School of Agriculture, Food and Wine. And she has a sustainable vision for a future where everything we use and build from is grown from plants. In 10 years' time, that's not going to be so unusual. And I think that's, that's attainable for a lot of people. Hi, I'm Professor Andy Lowe. And today I'll be diving into the fascinating world of plant science and exploring the potential plants have to change the way we build, the way we farm, and the way we live. Join me as we learn what needs to be planted today to become the building blocks of tomorrow. This is the Discovery Pod. Rachel, welcome to the Discovery Pod. Thanks, Andy. It's lovely to be here. You are Professor of Plant Science uh, here at the University of Adelaide, and there's so many there's so many things that we can do with plants. You know, I, I guess we can eat them. That's the first thing. But uh, what else can we do with plants? Oh, do you want a list? Goodness <laughs> me, it would take me hours. Well, for a start, we wouldn't be here without plants, would we? Because we <laughs> no. wouldn't have anything to breathe. Yeah. Um, but we can eat them. We can wear them. We can make furniture out of them. We can make buildings out of them. We can make medicine out of them. So there's a massive list to start with, isn't there? <laughs> so we should probably uh, value those plants a little bit more than just food sources. But your, your work, you're looking for new and innovative ways to develop plants and uh, plant-based technologies. We are. And um, we think plants have massive potential in many areas that have you know, people haven't really thought about. Um, so it's nice to to have a, a, a clean slate and say, okay, well, what you know, what can we use this plant for? Why is it doing that? Oh, could that be useful in in this kind of area? So, um, and that you know, that curiosity uh, drives us, and sustainability is is something that very, everybody's very passionate about at the moment, and it underpins what we do. So. You know, where can plants be more used to us is is kind of the question that we ask. And I guess plant science has been uh, rooted in uh, sustainability from the start. And in some areas, I guess sustainability has been more of a recent uh, take on. But uh, there's probably an awful lot that could be transferred from the plant science area into more, more global sustainability applications. Yes, I think sustainability is a buzzword for what many people have been doing for thousands of years in terms yeah. of agriculture. And it's only when we kind of disturb the system and push it out of balance that we suddenly start panicking about, you know, what what we've done to it. And climate change is obviously, you know, the ultimate um, imbalance that we've got to cope with. So I think, um, yeah, thinking about it from a sustainable point of view, there's a, there's a lot more that we can do um, and add value as well to, to people that, you know, grow food or or want to to make money out of plants because let's face it, money is also very important in terms of you know. So if you can mesh the the value and the sustainability together, then I think you're on a on a good formula there. Maybe take us on a bit of a journey. Give us uh, some some examples of where where plants uh, improve sustainability, but also potentially uh, keep within an economic uh, envelope as well. So. If it's all right with you, I'll use one of the plants that we uh, work on at the moment, which I find fascinating as a kind of example, because we can um, think of uh, many, many ways to, to use it, and that's industrial hemp. 
It's a variety of the cannabis plant species and has only just been legalised for human consumption. But hemp is already being promoted as the newest superfood to hit Australian markets. Hemp may look like cannabis, but farmers say the similarity stops the leaves. Hemp is one of the oldest crops known to humankind. Now hemp is making a comeback of sorts. Hemp milk is made from the seeds of cannabis plants. And experts say it's so packed full of nutrients, it could be the world's new superfood. How can we recover quickly from the bushfires? When somebody came up with the idea of industrial hemp, which has got a far faster turnaround, it seemed an idea that was too good to be true. Industrial hemp is actually a form of um, cannabis that doesn't have the high THC, so it's it's uh, it's not a drug form. It's not the medicinal cannabis that um, you can use. But of course, it's in the same it's the same species. It just has has a different chemical spectrum, if you like. So, mm. um, but we grow industrial hemp for food. So in two thousand and seventeen, it was legalised. So we couldn't. Um, eat it before then in this country, even though hundreds of years ago it used to be, you know, eaten by many people. Mm. So that opened the door to a lot of uses. So the, the grains, the seeds are highly nutritious. So they've got lots of really good oil, lots of really good protein. So, you know, they're a, an option. And when we think about using or eating more food-based plants, uh, food-based seeds, if you like, so high protein content, um, they're really good but then you've got the rest of the plant so and one of the things that i'm really passionate about is actually using as much of the plant as we can so if you've taken the seed off what do you do with the rest of it and it turns out that hemp's very useful for lots of things you can wear it so you know hemp cloth has been around for a long long time it used to be made into uniforms and sails and also all, you know rope and all, all those things so we've lost that really we've kind of you know cotton and wool have pushed it out and then one of the other things that you can do with it is you can build with it surprisingly enough and it's an amazing material it turns out and every time we think about how we can use it we find a new way to use it it's fire retardant so ideal for australian conditions and maybe you know california and all these places that, that are hot and dry extremely good insulator it's been, um, you know, recognised that it, it controls humidity and it provides a lovely living environment for, for humans. In fact, the National, I think the Science Museum in London, have just built their vault for keeping all their precious samples out of hemp because they can control the humidity and temperature much better using that material and it's superior to, you know, anything else they could find. So there's a, a good advert for it if you like <laughs> and yeah so there's there's lots of ways that we can use use hemp um and and we're trying to expand that sort of um uh, thinking and think well you know can we do that with it from discussions with rachel it looks like there are loads of different ways that hemp can improve our day-to-day lives but what is it that makes this plant so incredibly versatile To understand this, we need to understand how the plant itself grows. Hemp can grow in all shapes and sizes. Some varieties are small and bushy, with lots of flowers and seeds that can be used in the production of medicinal cannabis. Other types of hemp can grow to be incredibly tall, sometimes reaching heights of up to 5 metres. And the key to hemp's multi-purpose potential lies in these incredibly long and strong fibres in the tall stems. 
So the outside of the stem has got these very long fibres in, which are called bast fibres, and they're what we weave into, you know, really nice cloth. Mm. And then the inside of the stem has got this sort of pithy, much more sort of um, lightweight material, which we call herd, and you have to separate the bast from the herd. And that is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the bast from the herd. The bast from really? the herd, yes. You, <laughs> you haven't just made that no, up. No, I haven't okay, made it up. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yes, you have to separate the two. And actually one of the things that we're grappling with at the moment is that doing that process is actually a bottleneck in using hemp. So trying to um, encourage people to grow hemp so that it can be used in buildings, you don't want them to take too much of a risk. And and there's a lot of interest, but because we can't process it um, very efficiently at the moment, and it's quite a tough job to separate the bast from the herd, it's kind of stuck together. Mm. So you have to do this weird process called retting, which basically I think is Dutch for rotting. Um, <laughs> so the way that you do it is you cut it cut it down and then leave it to sort of, you know, start to decay a, a bit, I suppose. And um, that means that everything separates out. But you have to basically put the, the stems into this massive hammer mill, which, you know, and we call it the smashy, smashy, choppy, choppy machine. Um, <laughs> and it's very noisy. and Technical makes, term. Yeah. Technical <laughs> term, that's right. So it's noisy, makes lots of dust, but it basically smashes the pieces apart and then you can use them for the, the different things. The, the bass fibres can go off to, you know, be woven and then, then the herd gets used for things like hempcrete. Mm. You have small particles um, which you can collect and... We think they've got massive potential as insulation material, for example. And where, where do we grow hemp here in Australia? Where, where does it grow? So if you hark back to, you know, you asked me what does it look like and I said, <laughs> oh, well, you know, it can be small or tall or whatever. So, again, you could probably pick um, cultivars, which is, you know, types, to grow anywhere. Um, at the moment, most of it's grown in Tasmania, but there's massive potential to grow in South Australia, which is obviously where we are, but you can grow it all, you know, the only really restriction for hemp is that it does need some water. So you have to have some sort of ir- irrigation. But again, one of the research questions that we're asking is can we can we extend the growing season so that essentially you can make it rain-fed? Um, that means it's got to grow in sort of, you know, colder temperatures, but it'll grow in Siberia, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you know, it's not that not that bad. And the, the light, uh, daylight is, is also important. So you can grow mm. hemp anywhere. Mm. Hemp does sound like a, a wonder plant, and so probably the question is why why isn't it more explored and used uh, for these usages? I think you probably indicated that there's still some barriers, I guess, in, in the processing side, but with the potential advantages and also the movement towards sustainability, surely we're going to be able to push through those barriers and make, make hemp more widely adopted, do you think? I hope so. So the, the, there's a, a blockage in that sort of processing that we've just um, talked about. But the other thing that I think really needs sorting out is the legislation. Yeah. So it's very muddled and confused at the moment, and it does depend on which state you live in. So, you know, we have a, we have a limit of the amount of that psychoactive chemical THC and it has to be in South Australia it has to be below one 1%. But in Victoria, for example, it's lower than that. So there's no standard across the country. And, you know, this sort of grey area between what's industrial hemp and what's um, you know, medicinal cannabis, I think, um, will need would need to be sorted out. And and it's quite restrictive. We have to make sure that, you know, when we work with this plant, we follow very strict guidelines. So they're quite onerous, 
I mean, we're happy to uh, abide by them, but, you know, it's not like working on wheat and barley or any mm. of the other crops that we work on. We really have to take care to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And that's pretty tough. And, and that's because it's, you know, it's related to cannabis and uh, the the um, the issues associated with, with cannabis. Exactly. I mean, yes, that's right. But when you look at the popularity now of THC and other cannabinoids for treating medicinal um, as Oh, well, there's so many things that it seems to to um, be good for. But, I mean, we've got psychedelics coming in as well now. So there's a whole area there of medicine that is going to need to be legislated and, and looked at more clearly and, and um, you know, because um, they're, they're amazing compounds. Mm. So uh, I think hopefully in the next few years things will become a bit clearer. So it's clear that while the potential of Australia's hemp industry is huge, it remains hamstrung by production bottlenecks and cautious legislation. But that hasn't stopped researchers like Rachel championing hemp as the potential way forward for numerous industries in Australia and globally that are currently facing unprecedented challenges of their own. More than 500 new homeowners are in limbo tonight after another building company collapses. Companies are going to liquidation as rising costs and supply chain issues force them out of business. So we've had bushfires, we've had floods, as you can see. We've had COVID and an extraordinary problem with our supply of materials. Constantly having to reschedule their jobs due to, first of all, lockdowns and then the, the supply chain crisis. What we are seeing is one of the most severe shortages of materials in just under 50 years. It takes us back to the 1974 oil shock. The COVID pandemic and conflict in Europe has exposed dangerous weaknesses in supply chains that prop up Australia's construction industry. As a result, there have been massive delays in housing development as builders and eager homeowners wait for the right materials to become available. This has led to calls from the construction industry to pivot towards more sustainable and accessible building materials. But will hemp be the plant to save our supply chains? What role does plant science play in the future of our buildings, cities and homes? Let's get back onto uh, you. You talked uh, earlier. You mentioned a word that kind of caught my ear, and that was hempcrete. <laughs> it's quite not that easy to say. So um, this is presumably concrete made out of hemp. So as a structural uh, uh, structural entity, what 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 is hempcrete? It's actually quite simple. Um, <laughs> so it's the herd that we've talked about. So yeah. it's that inner part of the stem that's in um, pieces, and you mix that with water, and then uh, essentially lime. Um, and makes a slurry and then you push it at the moment you can you know build hempcrete houses by sort of using it like it's a bit like sort of wet sticky concrete and you push it into form boards and you know you can make shapes um, we think you can make bricks and, and boards and all those things with it and it's it is essentially that's why it's called hempcrete because it sets hard it has this lovely um, insulating property it breathes it's fire retardant um, you know, so it has massive potential, and there's lots of interest in being able to build houses now from hemp. But builders are struggling to get hold of the herd, um, and at the moment, there's only one company in Australia that's making Australian-grown building products, and a lot of it um, they're having to import from Europe. But again, they also have not enough processing capacity, so that's something that really needs to be solved globally, not just in Australia. 
So it can do amazing things, can be grown anywhere. Really, why aren't we using it more? So um, that that area of kind of uh, bio-concrete, there's, uh, so it's not only hemp that's in that space, but there are other kind of biologics that we can add in or use uh, into uh, concrete systems as well, isn't there? There's there's some fascinating um, <laughs> uh, variations on concrete, bioconcrete. Um, there's uh, there's this self healing concrete, which um, basically uh, contains little capsules uh, frozen in time of bacteria. They're sort of trapped in the concrete with some nutrients, and they sit there. <laughs> you know, they're perfectly happy. They sit there. So it's a suspended animation. Susp- it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and they have estimated that they can sit there for two hundred years, which seems amazing. But what happens is that if the concrete cracks. Um, lets in moisture and that sort of melts the, the coating and then activates the bacteria and then they grow and they, they secrete essentially limestone, which kind of acts as a glue or a compound that, that blocks the crack up again. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's that's pretty fascinating, isn't it? And, it, and actually when you think about, you know, cement, is uh, a massive uh, contributor to global warming and it's estimated that cement is 8% of our emissions, which is, you know, frightening. And we talked about hempcrete having lime in it. Well, if we could get away from that, Mm. um, that would be amazing. One of the things that we're really interested in using is actually um, natural organic binders, if you like. So rather than relying on adding something like lime or minerals or, you know, one of those things, can we get something that grows? And fungi can grow and form a net around all sorts of things. So we're very interested in being able to use not just hemp biomass, but maybe sorghum biomass or, you know, sugarcane or or whatever um, as the sort of media. And then the, the fungus grows through it and links it up and makes material. And you can make that uh, into boards, into bricks, you could make it into a material potentially that's hard enough to carve. Mm. Um, so, and it's natural. You know, we think about you think about um, the wooden buildings that that we're putting together now, and you know, everybody says, "Oh, wow!" You know, wooden skyscraper, but they're they're coming. And there's one in Perth, I think, that's planned that's going to be up to 200 meters tall. Mm. Um, but they use, they're tending to use laminates, yeah. which are glued together. And the glue is an issue because, you know, it's got formaldehydes and some of those things in. Well, can we use natural compounds, nat- you know, another organism to bind together the materials and make them strong? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential, but not yet many people kind of thinking about that kind of thing. But it will come. I'm predicting that that's one of the, <laughs> going to be one of the growth areas. <laughs> so. I mean, you know, we're really cutting uh, back to the heart of sustainability here, aren't we? And with, uh, you know, the construction industry responsible for 39% of global carbon emissions, it could probably do a bit better, uh, couldn't it? So, uh, and these, these, these are... These are options for the future. You talk about the glue, you know, in cross-laminated timber. Uh, I mean, Spinifex has a, a glue-like substance that could potentially be used. So then there's another plant-based uh, product. And pretty much for all of these applications that you've been talking about, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the moisture-holding potential in, in nappies, which used to be silicon and, uh, you know, could be could be hemp, uh, the, the structural integrity, the, the fibers, all of these things that we've relied on uh, either – 
you know, uh, 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 organic or um, kind of oil-based products or other uh, kind of lime-based products, they could be replaced by plants, couldn't they? They could. They could. And you mentioned, you know, um, sort of gels and mucilages and, and those kinds of things. We, we're actually very interested in seeds that make quite a lot of those. Mm. Um, Spinifex makes, you know, this compound. But we, we're interested in a relative of chia at the moment that makes a, a sort of mucilage around its, um, its seed, which we could extract and then make into um, replacement films for packaging food or spraying fruit to, you know, um, prolong shelf life. I'm sure people will be uh, familiar with psyllium, which is, um, you know, we take as a dietary fibre. But that's used in green concrete as well Mm. um, to give it flexibility. It's used as an anti-corrosion agent for statues, for example. Um, (laughs) You know, it's got all, again, it's that sort of coating, that organic coating that we can use. um, Mm. And because it's sticky, it sort of forms that sort of that gel, that type of, you know, protective layer. So um, there's all sorts of things. And and we can even put those into, you know, I'm aiming to sort of mix all my plants up and see what we get. <laughs> and I guess we, you know, we had a strong history of really using plants, you know, from, from the start. I mean, of course, we use them for making our houses, uh, you know, and rubber, you know, comes as, uh, uh, you know, it's the, from, from the rubber tree, it's uh, uh, just from the xylem uh, there. So we, we, we have had a, a very strong history of usage, but I guess, what happened was plastics uh, just became so cheap and easy to produce that we moved away from uh, that, that plant-based production. So some of the work that you're doing in terms of pushing through some of those barriers of production, then they will make them on a par in terms of you know, size of production uh, availability that they will then become serious options uh, for a su- sustainable building material. The sustainable building material, but also when you think about the waste so, yes, we use plastics and, you know, one-use plastics, we chuck them out. Um, the building industry, part of that 39% that you just mentioned, a massive part of that is waste. Yeah. Um, because, you know, what do you do with, with, with it? And so if you're talking about building materials that are made from biomass, essentially they will go back to biomass and they've fixed carbon dioxide when they grew. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you're going to be carbon neutral uh, when they break down. Um, plastics... You know, there's this massive plastic lake in the ocean. Well, we should be maybe recycling that, but maybe we should be making plastics that break down. You know, do we really need plastic bags that last for, you know, 20 years? Well, we might only need one that lasts for three weeks, right? So, um, and films that are purpose-built for for covering short-term foods or whatever, um, I think. So there's another way that we can make sustainability built in, um, but, we are lazy and we we go for the plastic bag, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. You get to the counter and you go, oh, no, I forgot my plastic bags again, you know, and I can't carry 50 items in my arms. No, that's right. Maybe five, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so now I take my hemp bags to the supermarket and, and uh, helpfully it's got hemp bag written on it. <laughs> so I know, what, I know what it's made out of. <laughs> As our conversation progresses from building with hempcrete to binding with fungi, and using microbes in self-healing concrete, it becomes clear that the applications for plant science in our modern world are endless and stretch far beyond the construction industry. And what does this mean for our future? And what needs to happen for plant-based structures to become a regular fixture of Australian towns and cities? 
So let me ask you uh, a kind of a, a big question. Okay, yes. so it's ten years down the track, and you're you're looking back. You're looking back on the the last ten years or so. You've you've got in that ten years, you've had unlimited resources to bring to bear to some of the things you'd really like to do. Um, so no more form filling. You know, you can just focus on uh, kind of the uh, the new idea. When you look back, how will you have made history? So my dream is to have changed the Australian landscape in terms of the crops we grow. So we drive around now and, you know, we see all the European crops that we brought over. So 99%. Yeah, 99%, yeah, right? They're dominated by cereals, wheat, yeah. barley, all those things. Well, they are still good things, but I want to We still need them for food. We right, still yeah, need don't them get for me food. Wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. that's right. But I want to see, you know, that uh, mixture, a patchwork of those I want to see hemp, I want to see agave, I want to see salvia, I want to see plantago, all these things that we work on, sorghum, you know, grown in in places where um, not just as crops but also as, as you know, um, resources. So for, for energy, I want to see us using plants, you know, converting plants into energy and I want to see the landscape covered in houses made of hemp. Mm. And I, I think in 10 years' time, that's not going to be so unusual. And um, you have an open invitation, Andy, to come and visit me in my house, which is going to be hempcrete that I have grown. I'm going to grow my own hemp, and then I'm <laughs> going to get a builder to make me a house out of hemp. So, And I think that's that's attainable for a lot of people. You know, I want to see this real switch in building materials and plants just much more appreciated and used. If I can do that before I retire, I'll be very happy. I would love to come and visit you in your new hemp house uh, in the future. Rachel, thanks very much for giving us a kind of inspirational vision of how we could change the earth towards a more sustainable place. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy, for listening. I feel like I've barely been able to scratch the surface of how plants like hemp and also fungi can be used to build the world around us. If the best time to plant a tree, or in this case, a house was 50 years ago, then the next best time to start changing our approach to building and construction materials is today. Thank you to Professor Rachel Burton for sharing her insights with us and thank you for joining me on this journey into the world of plant science. If this discussion has sparked your interest, I encourage you to head back into our catalogue of past episodes, where we've delved into other great topics like space settlement, water security and genetically modified foods. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave a review, rate the show and share this podcast with your friends. It's the best way for us to grow and keep bringing you fascinating insights into the world of tomorrow. If you have a topic you think we need to explore, you can get in touch with us at podcast at adelaide.edu.au. We'd love to hear from you. Join me next time as we speak with Dr. Nune Melkumian and Dr. Steve Rodder about biomimicry and how we bring game-changing innovations to market. When I was doing my PhD in mining, and my PhD was about sudden gazing rushes in coal mines, which is a very serious problem leading to terrible disasters if it's not controlled. So I thought then of designing a monitoring system that could monitor that kind of large-scale structure 
in a very short period of time and without interfering with the production. I found this chat completely fascinating, so be sure to hit follow so you get the notification for each new episode we release. We'll be exploring a new topic every fortnight, so there's loads of great content on the horizon for you to look forward to. Until then, I'm Professor Andy Lowe, and you're listening to The Discovery Pod, brought to you by the University of Adelaide. So, what do you want to know next?